Welcome back to another episode of Being at Work. I am your host, Andrea Butcher, and wow, I really love today's conversation because the purpose of this show is to highlight leadership lessons. Leadership is hard, particularly amidst uncertainty and the unknown. And today's guest knows something about leading through that. Tammy Wolinick is the head of People and Organization North America at Siemens Mobility, an organization that's seen so much growth with merged cultures over the last few years. But what you really need to know about Tammy is how one specific leadership characteristic has been pivotal in helping her to navigate uncertainty and unknown, transparency. And I know that that word has gotten so much buzz over the last few years, so I appreciate how Tammy breaks it down and brings it to life for us. Listen in as she highlights the importance of acknowledging what is and being focused on where we're going. That brings the team together and creates connection, even when she wakes up at midnight in a cold sweat, as you'll hear about. She stepped out of her comfort zone and was honest about what she brought to the team and what she didn't. It's a lesson in transparency. Check it out. After I got my master's degree, um, I got a master's in business administration. I actually started out in insurance and then very quickly switched from selling insurance and selling benefit plans to the purchasing side or the human resource side. And I ended up being in human resources basically done the rest of my career. But about 12 to 13 years after I had been in human resources, I was in Chicago, I was in the printing industry, and I had an opportunity. Frankly, I was asked, I wasn't looking for it, but I was asked to move out of human resources and into basically operations in the printing industry, which if you don't know the printing industry, customer service, it was to be the director of customer service. And that is really the entire project management from the time you know you're gonna get an order, so the order planning, to the pre-press production, Hmm. the actual production planning, the binding of the catalog, and then dropping it into the USPS distribution system. And mind you, I had no printing background. (laughs) I had been in insurance, I had been in human resources, but the general manager asked me if I would consider taking over the director of customer service role. How long had you been with the organization at that point? I had probably been with that company for about two and a half years. And what's interesting is it was actually the second general manager to ask me to move into customer service. The first one asked me and said, okay, I said, yeah, you know what? That sounds really interesting. Let's do it. And he said, okay, let's set up a training program to kind of get you the technical orientation. And then about a week later, he left the site. He actually got transferred. And so I thought, okay, that was an interesting conversation, but I guess it's not going to happen. New general manager comes in. The new general manager has been there probably about a month. And he came to me and he goes, you know what? I think you should move into customer service. (laughs) And I said, well, isn't that interesting? Because we just had that conversation. And I said, yes, I'd be happy to do that. But instead of him saying, okay, let's put together a training plan, he said, this is like on a Thursday, he said, okay, let's make this happen on Monday. (laughs) 
And so I went home and I was excited and I was telling my husband about it, went to bed that night, you know, woke up in a cold sweat at midnight, thought, what am I doing? I don't know printing. I've been in insurance and human resources for 13 some years. How am I going to do this? But what I did do, so he announced it basically on Friday, and then come Monday was my first meeting with the team. And the very first thing I did do was have a meeting with the team. I think it was a team of, I don't remember the exact number now, but I'm going to say roughly 23 to 25 individuals. And I pulled them together. And I think the first thing I did was make the point that I was really excited to do this but that I was never going to know more than they did about the topic. They were the experts, not me. And so I would never act like I was the expert. That wasn't my role. I knew that they knew more. I would be asking them a lot of questions over the course of the next several months as I got to know the role more. Mm -hmm. But my role was really to help them come together as a team, to work on processes, to figure out a rhythm that allowed the team to develop some more credibility and better relationships throughout the process within the printing industry. And so that was really what I was brought in for. And so while it was scary, what I had to do was just really rely on what I knew I did well. I, mm-hmm. I knew how to help people develop relationships. I knew how to help people work together. I knew how to help people look at processes, figure out what's not working, how to address problems or take an approach to problem solving. And apparently, I guess I I never really had some follow-up conversations with the general manager specifically on it, but I think that's what they saw too. And so that's what we did. And I remember at that meeting telling the team, here's the thing I will tell you, although I am not the expert I will always have your back. And what that means is that if we're working together and something goes wrong, if it's our mistake, we'll own it, but I will have your back in helping us to get past it, helping you to get past it. If it's not our mistake, I'll make sure that's known too. So I did that role for, I guess, about seven years. And when I left Chicago, there was a party as we were leaving because we moved to Atlanta at that time. And when I left, one of the people came to me and said, I still remember that first day when you said, I will always have your back. Mm -hmm. She said, and you did. And the whole team came to know that we could count on you to have our back. What impact do you think that first meeting had? It sounds like you were really intentional about sharing your enthusiasm, but also being honest about Mm -hmm. your lack of technical expertise. You wanted to clarify with them, hey, I've got your backs. How impactful was that first meeting, do you think? I think it was very impactful. First of all, it set the playing field very clearly that I wasn't there to tell them how to do the technical part of their job. They were the experts, but I was there to help them. And as a result, I didn't have to put on pretense. I was able to be who I was, and they could be who they were, and it created a level of transparency. And so once we were transparent about that, I think we could also then be transparent about what's not working. Why are we getting into trouble? Why are, you know, things going wrong with the production orders and that type of thing? We could be transparent because I'd already been vulnerably transparent, if you want to call it that. 
in the very beginning. And so I think it just helped us create that atmosphere. Well, and trust, no doubt. I mean, if I put myself in the shoes of your team members, like I want to know, okay, who is this person that's coming from HR and (laughs) where is she taking us? And you answered all of those questions with a lot of humility. I think that's another thing that I so appreciated about this story is I have had so many times, Tammy, in my career where I felt the need to prove myself and actually, that that doesn't help, does it? It's the honesty. It's the openness. It's the transparency that actually builds trust and connection. Right. You don't have to be, as we've talked about, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't have to be the biggest technical expert. What you have to be is someone committed to working with everybody else in the room to get to results or to get to quality outputs. And so that's what we were able to focus on. And so seven years, I mean, so obviously you had some successes. There's something, though, in the story that I want to ask about that, you know, when we talked initially, I didn't catch this, that two general managers had asked you to move into that role. So clearly they saw something in you. And I, I suspect that that also gave you the confidence to step into that new role. Yeah, it did. I mean, I sort of joked about it when the second general manager that, you know, I thought, hey, do they want me out of HR? (laughs) But obviously, no, you wouldn't take that kind of risk, I think. And so, yes, it did give me, even though I woke up at midnight, yes, the fact that two and and that the second one did it within 30 days of being in the role was very interesting to me, too. And I don't think the first manager had talked to the second manager. I I suppose I, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think they had. What was it that they saw in you that made them recognize your value in that role? To be honest, again, I think it was about teaming, getting people to work together, getting people to really be open to analyzing what's not working instead of putting up fronts. Because clearly there were some issues going on at the time. There were a lot of finger pointing between different departments back to this department And so I think it was just they saw someone who was willing to work to solve problems, who was willing to take on a challenge, um, who wasn't ego involved in it, I think, because it was kind of hard to have an ego about it (laughs) when, when, you know, you were new to it. I mean, I had been there for two and a half years, so I I knew what a catalog was. (laughs) But, I mean, I knew it a little bit about it. But I didn't know, you know, I could not have put a catalog together. But it was was the goal of building this team that, Tammy has experience doing that. She's really good. So there's another leadership lesson in this. Spotting potential in really aligning what do we need here with the skills and talents within your team outside of those technical skills? Right. What are the leadership capabilities that we could leverage across the business? I think that's a a big one that we're really pushing right now as well in Siemens Mobility. We're asking our hiring managers to think outside the box and to look at skills and capabilities because we are in such a tight labor market right now. We can teach the technical. I did learn catalog production and I did learn saddle stitch binding. We can teach that. But what we what you can't teach is that ability to bring people together, that ability to problem solve or make decisions and not be paralyzed with ambiguity and that type of thing. And I definitely appreciate it. I've always been very grateful for that opportunity because I do think it taught me to be a different kind of leader, particularly once I went back into HR, 
I had been the person who got the phone call at midnight because the presses went down and the customer's on site and the customer's very unhappy. So I knew how it felt to deal with those business issues. And as a result, I could approach human resources and people strategy through a lens that a business person looks at that. Yeah, and I I love that Siemens Mobility, that you all refer to your HR department as people and organization. Let's just, let's highlight that and celebrate that. Even the, the terminology around HR is becoming much more outdated because of the impact that people and organization have on the business. And so no doubt your operations experience is critical to the success that you have in people and organization today probably more so than your initial insurance experience. I agree with that, yes. And to be honest, I can't take credit for the people and organization. That's all of Siemens, and that comes from our managing board. When did that change happen that, that you all started to refer to it as P&O? I'm going to say it was probably about 18 months ago, kind of coming out of COVID, right? Um, and I think that's where there was really a recognition that it really, it's not just this trite saying that people do make the difference. It was a recognition that people did make the difference. In COVID, it was this fact that we had moved to this digital, innovative, new way of doing things. And the success of that was based on the success of how much people were invested in using those new processes and new ways of getting things done. Oh, well, I applaud that. I mean, so let's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Names are so important. And so just having a focus on people and organization sets a very different tone, doesn't it? Very involved in the strategy and enabling the business to drive towards success. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of Siemens, let's continue on with your journey because I know that in year 12-ish or so with the organization, there was a, a merger that really allowed you to capitalize on your operations experience. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting. I must have that 12-year mark. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was 12 itch. years in, in, <laughs> before I went into the production world and then 12 years when I was with Siemens. I had been with Siemens in a P&O, HR capacity for about 12 years, supporting mostly the industrial side of the business. And then there was basically a carve-out of Siemens mobility from the industrial section of Siemens because of a potential merger that would happen with Siemens Mobility and another player in the industry. And so the vice president of HR, P&O at the time, asked if there was anyone who was willing to carve out and go with Siemens Mobility. And I raised my hand because, again, I really, I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy doing things differently, learning something different. I saw it as an opportunity to lead a group through something challenging that once you got on the other side, not knowing exactly what the other side looked like, it would still be something that you would either feel incredibly accomplished, regardless of whether you felt accomplished, you would definitely feel you had learned something, right? (laughs) And so I raised my hand and did it because I've always enjoyed challenge and change and doing things differently. Well, and what I so love about that story is you showed in the previous experience that you can lead through uncertainty. You know, this general manager asked you to step into this customer service role, like, okay, even though cold sweats at night. 
But here, this is a much bigger scale of uncertainty and challenge and unknown. And when you reflect back on that experience, what do you attribute your leadership successes to? So first of all, the team, again, there's that word again, but seriously, the team, a phenomenal team that I got to bring with. Many of them were already in Siemens Mobility. I wasn't. Like I said, I was actually sitting on the industry side, so I moved into mobility. So again, a new team that probably knew, well, not probably, did know more about mobility than I did. And so relying on that team. But then also I think it's breaking it into kind of two phases. And the first was really let's carve out in a way that is clean, that is successful, that we get everything we need that's the best of mobility in this carved out entity. And then let's focus on merging with this other entity, kind of let's call that phase two, and let's make that the best it can be as well. So really going for quality in both phases and keeping people focused on the phase we were in and, and how best to work together to achieve that outcome and just without knowing what the next part was going to look like. Well, and I suspect it was exciting for people. The focus on quality, like that's probably something that was ingrained in Siemens. So mm-hmm. that probably felt comfortable and there's stability in that. But this merge, like this was, there was a lot of new in this And when was this? I know this is year 12-ish in your tenure, but when was this? Yeah, so it was, um, I joined Mobility in late 17, and the merger would have happened in 2018. As it turns out, the merger did not happen. There are reasons why, but the merger didn't happen. We still stayed carved out. And so instead of now then forming a people strategy with a new entity, a combined entity, we had to form a carved out people strategy and again globally as well so it was always exciting and in a lot of ways it was definitely exactly what had happened in the printing industry too because once again i wasn't the expert um perfect example of that i've been in hr but i hadn't been hr systems and yet when you talk about carving out systems and everything that drives payroll drives benefits all of that You need an expert or lots of experts working together to make sure that happens. I just happen to be very lucky at best. (laughs) I don't know. Um, (laughs) I was able to select uh, HRIT specialist, project manager, who came with us. And she's just been an incredible part of my team. And, I mean, she knows more about system desegregation and then integration (laughs) than anybody I know. And and she's just done a phenomenal job. And if I had tried to act like I was the expert, I'm the one who's going to make that happen, we would have failed. But I didn't. I knew that I needed this person who really just was phenomenal and to this day still takes us through all these different projects. What I hear in that is you're creating an environment where people can be their best. I mean, you have to. As a leader, and I know you've seen the articles on this too, as you move into progressive leadership opportunities, they always say it's less about your technical skill and more about bringing the other people together and up to focus in the right areas so that you have the right focus in every area. You, as a result, don't focus on those areas. You focus on 
the collaboration, the teaming. Well, and so this is interesting. So even though the merger didn't happen, I mean, it sounds like you all did some really good things because Siemens Mobility now is a division of Siemens. Like all of that carving out you did must have been really helpful to get you to where you are today. Could you just highlight a little bit about Siemens Mobility? Because I think a lot of people probably don't understand that and it's such a cool division and what you all are doing is just really exciting. So Siemens Mobility is basically about trains. We manufacture rolling stock, which can include passenger coach, locomotives, and light rail vehicles. We're also, though, very involved in rail infrastructure, which is manufacturing everything involved in the infrastructure around rail. And then we also service both the rolling stock as well as the infrastructure. And so it's, it is really exciting, and it's probably another reason why I think I was really happy to take the mobility role. I mean, who doesn't love the idea of trains and, you know, fast trains? And it's futuristic and it's exciting. It's cutting edge. It's where sustainability is going as we're really trying to get people to think about greener transportation. The focus on infrastructure right now and the expansion of getting people perhaps away from individual cars and more into transportation alternatives that are greener. Just, it's an exciting place to be. And, you know, as we announced last week, we're growing. So what a cool role you have to be focused (laughs) on people and organization and creating an environment where everyone can flourish and be their best. And no wonder you love your role so much. And I know it sounds trite, but it really is. It's the people and how, how you pull people together. Yeah, I mean, it It always comes back, you know, this is episode maybe 150, right? We've had so many conversations with executives over the last four years on this show and continually highlight these leadership lessons that you're sharing, casting a vision, aligning people to that, giving people an opportunity to step up, putting yourself on the back burner so that other people can shine, being honest about your capabilities and your areas of opportunity, all of that transparency, as you have shown in your in your stories, those are the things that connect with people and build trust. And it gives you an opportunity to grow, but it's you're growing because you're working through others. You're going to learn new stuff of, as well, of course, but it's also because of working through others that they're growing and that really then allows you to grow even more. And it really is the right way to focus. It's the rising tide, right? All tides rising. So as you reflect on these stories and the parallels between them, you know, you've highlighted the the focus on team. What do you do in this situation where like someone isn't coming along? You've done all the right things, but you just can't connect with him or her. What do you do? Well, I think the first thing you have to do again is that transparency because you're not doing anyone any favors by pretending that everything's fine or pretending that it's going to get better and just waiting it out to see if it gets better. I think you have to be transparent and first talk to the individual that expectations aren't being met, whether it's because you had incorrect expectations, they didn't understand the expectations, they're in the wrong role, they haven't been given the training that they need or the space they need to develop appropriately. So as soon as you're transparent about that and offer true, genuine support, it can't be transparent with the idea of just getting them out of the way. You need to be transparent and offering true, genuine support, whether that's to try to 
get them aligned to the direction that the overall organization is going or support them in realizing that that's not the right direction for them and to find that different set of skills. Yeah, having the courage to to be really honest about what's going on and address it. Like that's where it starts, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because again, you're, and I know I've said it, but you're not doing any favors by concealing it or not addressing it. Then you're getting more resentful. They're getting frustrated because they know something's not right. You got it. Everybody can feel it. So you might as well call it out. Exactly. Yeah, it just takes the courage. And so you've done that a lot throughout your career. So now, I mean, it's probably transparency is just the name of the game. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Which breeds trust and credibility as we started with. Tammy, thank you so much for all of these great insights and the wisdom across your your stories really highlights some important leadership lessons that are relatable to all. So thank you for being here today. No problem. I think the thing I would encourage people as I leave is I just always tell people, be willing to step outside your box, be willing to challenge yourself, do something different because it will, you will gain something from it. Maybe not what you originally think, but you will gain something from that. So just be willing to do that. Had I not been willing to do that, I think my career would probably still have been fine. But by the fact that I was willing to do something different, it went in directions I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. Even though you're waking up in a cold sweat, go for it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. That's the lesson. <laughs> awesome. Tammy, if our listeners want to connect with you and Siemens Mobility, what is the best way to do that? So two options. First of all, I would say just go to usa.siemens.com slash mobility. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, Tammy, T-A-M-I, Wolinick, W-O-L-O-W-N-I-K, on LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a Being at Work story.